As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to 1874, the Athletics podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club. Special podcast today, we're going to look back on Aston Villa 2, Norwich 0, and we've also got an exclusive interview with Carla Ward. I went to see her at Bodymore Heath yesterday, so we chatted through Villa women's season, what she's thought of it, how it's gone, and her hopes for the future. Joined as ever by Greg Evans and Holly Percival. How are we both? Good, thanks, Dan. How are you? Very well, thank you. Very well, Holly. I'm good, thank you. I'm excited to talk about a win. It feels like a lifetime since we've done that, so I'm excited to get into this today. Always a rare thing for you to come on a podcast and talk about an Aston Villa win, Holly. But as it, as usual, the men's team win, the women's team lost on this occasion. So we've got a win and defeat, so you, you won't be too out of place because there is still a defeat to talk about. Greg, my main takeaway from that game was a few people moaning. After the, after the game, that it wasn't great. But I always think those games against teams that are bottom of the league, they never really go as you anticipate they'll go. They're, they're never the ones that you wipe the floor with the team and it's all easy going. But if I think back a few months and look back to the Watford game where we came away having lost 1-0, I much preferred Aston Villa 2 and Orange 0. I think there's a bigger picture at play here, isn't there? If you if you, you just got to go and win those games first and foremost. And look, I mean... Yeah, there was a lot of disappointment amongst Villa fans because they expected to go and smash Norwich and and just completely never completely happens. play them off the park. But look, you know there were there were five games without a win previous to that, so to go and win two nil, it was quite comfortable in the end. Keep another clean sheet. I think there were a lot of positives, and you, you just got to take them and and move on to the next batch of games now. Yeah, I think the goal on half time possibly saved them from a little bit of a booing holler. Yeah, I definitely thought that. I thought, oh, if I'm at Villa Park, I would not be happy. The kind of atmosphere didn't come across that great on on the telly. No, it wasn't. Um, watching the game back, and uh, yeah, I think that goal kind of saves Aston Villa's graces because I wouldn't say that first half was was a convincing performance. Um, but like Greg said, ultimately those are the games that you just need to grind out a win, and, and Villa definitely did that because there was times for the first twenty thirty minutes where I thought we might not even be able to pull out a win against bottom of the table Norwich City. The fans were starting to get a bit antsy, Greg. I think there, there was a, a moment of real frustration when Leon Bailey went down just as the game felt like it, it wasn't going great for Villa. The, the fans are a bit fed up that he's constantly injured, which I, I thought was a little bit unfair and didn't really like. 
But then the substitute, Danny Ings, I think everyone thought Emmy Buendia would probably come on, but it was Danny Ings that came on. And really that change probably won Villa the game. Yeah, and, and I think Danny Ings has been really unfortunate that he that he's lost his place, actually, because I actually think Villa have played their best football um, and certainly created the most chances when, when Ings has been playing. I mean, if you if you think back to the... Uh, the Arsenal game. I think he was a bit unfortunate not to not to keep his place in 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 that game. Yeah. Villa lost one nil. Um, the only real game that it hasn't worked for him, I would have said, would, would, was before the Arsenal game. It was uh, when Villa lost two one at West Ham. I didn't think he played that well in that game. Um, but it just always feels like he's the fall guy. You know, if 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 he doesn't, if, if Villa lose, then 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 he gets pulled out of the team and somebody else comes in. And Leon Bailey, obviously. Was, was handed his chance in, in some of the games thereafter. Um, didn't really, well, didn't perform, did he? I mean, you know, when you look back at the performances, he, he didn't do anything really. Um, to, to just touch on his injury, really unfortunate for the lad. I mean, I do feel sorry for him. There, there are a lot of frustrations um, growing amongst Villa supporters. I presume, well, I know that Stephen Gerrard is frustrated that not getting to see much out of Leon Bailey and Bertrand Traore this season. You know, injuries do play a part in any in it for any club, but um, they just seem to have really stacked up for Villa in, in the in the attacking areas. Um, but I wrote maybe five or six weeks ago that I actually think Villa's best forward three are Ings, Watkins, and Coutinho. I think when the three of them are on song and, and, and performing well, Villa create a lot of chances. The one criticism I would have of them is that they've missed too many chances this year, but um, the amount of chances that they've actually created is very positive. Um, and Ings come on, changed the game. Brilliant assist with his first touch and then finally got his goal. Spoke to him in the mix zone as well after, and he, he, he admitted that his season hasn't quite gone to plan. You know, he said, my numbers are underwhelming. I, I know that. I know the, the chemistry hasn't been quite there with, with Ola, um, but we're working on it. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, Villa could do a lot of things worse than, than stick with those two next season. I mean, Holly, he's, a, he's always been a goal scorer. Like Greg says, probably not as many goals gone in for him this season as you would have expected. I think he's on six assists. So, you know, he, he's been contributing. When he's on the pitch, like Greg says, that we do look a little bit more creative. I think the way he drops deep and links the play... He's a bit better than Watkins, but I think you have to play Watkins because I think Villa lack a bit of pace without him. So like Greg says, probably that front two is the way Villa should be moving forward, or especially to end the season. Yeah, definitely. I, I have to be honest, when Danny Ings signed, I thought, will he bring that energy that, that Villa will be looking to have in the attacking line? Because he obviously is a little bit older than, than Ollie Watkins. But the amount that of energy and, and kind of running that Danny Ings brings to that front line is massively impressive and you saw that in the Norwich game and that's kind of obviously reaped the rewards in the, in the fact that his assist numbers is, is increasingly growing because he is dropping deep and, and trying to find that uh, forward pass to Ollie Watkins or to Philip Coutinho so he's he's offering a lot more to, to the game than I, I thought he would I thought he would be that kind of up top striker that is, is scoring all those goals for Villa this season so it's nice to see him play differently to what we probably have seen a little bit when he was at Southampton so hopefully he can like Greg said score more goals because Greg's right and it was he you know he put really nice screen grabs in a piece recently about Villa struggling in front of goal where those screen grabs look like Villa are scoring goals and they haven't been able to so for him to then also get on the score sheet on the weekend was obviously like the real ice on the cake for him because he has really struggled to get into the team and has been that full guy and he's kind of shown why he shouldn't be the full guy because he is a reliable um, figurehead for Aston Villa when they're on the attack. Yeah, and every now and again, Greg, I am correct. I think I said last week that I thought Tim Rogenham might get a start. He did. 
Was that a surprise to you or did in the days leading up to the game, did it start to become more clear that he may have a chance to start in that game? Yeah, no, it, was, it wasn't a surprise at all. Um, in fact, as early as Monday or Tuesday, you know, we were getting some signals that, that he might be starting. Uh, Stephen Gerrard was very, very impressed with his 21-minute performance uh, at Leicester, of which I was as well. You know, I, I um, uh, analysed his, his every touch in, in, in an article in The Athletic, which was, if you haven't had, if you haven't seen that, go and have a look, because that's how uh, that explains how good he was and, and why he got given that start. Um, last week against Norwich and then he stepped up in training as well Gerard said after the game at Norwich that he was the best trainer throughout the week um, and it doesn't matter how old you are or how inexperienced you are um, if you're the best trainer and you're in the Steven Gerrard team um, or squad you're, you're going to get in that starting eleven. Um, and, and Gerard was true to his word there and I think there was a lot of um, praise from from even higher up as well. You know the the, the board members, uh, Johan Langer, people in the academy, all very quick to praise Tim Tim Eric Boonham. Um, and 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 look, you know, I thought he was thought he was okay. Thought he thought he misplaced a few passes. I thought he could have picked out. I could he could have made better decisions a, a, a few times. But I thought Villa looked much better defensively and and had a much more solid shape to them. They actually looked for the first time this season, um, or for the first time in a while anyway, that they had a defensive midfielder who wanted to defend in there. Um, and that was unusual for, for Villa because we've seen with Douglas Louise, we've seen with John McGinn, the two of them can play defensively midfield, but they're better going forward. Um, and, and I just think that Eric Boonham in there um, gives them a new option now. Still not quite got the pronunciation down between us, have we? We were two different, two different ways of saying it. I've gone the way of the, the commentator that I heard on Match of the Day. He was saying it the same as me, so we, st- we need to find out which one of us is saying the name correctly. But what struck me was having someone with a bit of physical presence in there, a bit, of, a bit of size. He just added a bit of size to this team. Well, yeah, and, and that's what that's what I wrote in my article last week. You know, the, the, he wins a lot of aerial duels, um, and we don't really see that from Villa midfielders too often because they are relatively small in comparison to uh, to their opponents. So, look, he's eighteen years old. There's, there's going to be a bit of time still for him to develop. Um, Villa have already decided that if he moves on loan next season for, for, for a temporary spell, it will only be into the championship. Um, you know, he will not be going any lower than that now. Um, but these next few four or five weeks, they could fast track his development yeah. by, by six months. And, you know, he could be looking at being the number two defensive midfielder at Villa next season now. Because, look, he's rising and he's not going to stop Villa going and getting a new number six in the summer. They will buy a tried and trusted performer. Um, but what's the harm in having Eric Boonham as the, as the number two and then perhaps moving on the likes of Marvellous Nakamba, Douglas Louise uh, and or Morgan Sanson and, and getting a bit of money in for them? Yeah, and 40 points now, Holly. Hopefully dispels any nagging worries that we had about relegation. Although I did do a relegation roundtable for the Athletic yesterday. And because everyone else won, I kind of feel like Nothing's massively changed, and I was slightly concerned last week. But you would think, with forty points, Villa shouldn't be dragged into a late struggle. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think Leeds are overly confident. Obviously, Everton got the win over Chelsea, so they're they're trying to gain some momentum late into the season. I think what works in favour for us is the fact that we have to play Burnley home and away. Uh, before the end of the season could work against us and, it, and ultimately yeah you are right it could also work against us so we either have the potential to relegate Norwich and Burnley or we could end up in the relegation zone or fighting on the last day because we can't beat Burnley who who are looking to have really good form right now so I'm 
be positive, Dan, please. Yeah, <laughs> for, I mean, we for, did, for the sake of us. We did do our best to try and help Watford stay up by giving them six points, Greg. But, so I don't, I'm, yeah. I'm still a little, a touch concerned because I do. Oh think come on! Someone no, might, no chance. I, honestly, there's, 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 I no think chance. Someone, there's no chance of Villa. Someone going down. might go down on forty points. No, no I way. genuinely think that. Um, no, no, no. I don't think. Well, look. First of all, I think Villa will get more points than forty, so they'll yeah, be fine. No, exactly. Um, yeah. Secondly, I, I just can't see the teams at the bottom continuing to win. You know, the teams that are down the bottom are there for a reason. They don't win every single game. Burnley are Burnley are defying the odds at the moment. They're not going to continue winning every single game. It just doesn't happen. Leicester did it one year. Well, I think they won five out of seven, and then they went on one day league the next year um, I don't for one minute think Burnley will go and win the league next year but they, they might so that you tipping them? <laughs> they might keep up their uh, their form for a little bit but they're not going to win every single game for Villa that win against Norwich was really important I think if they'd have lost of, co- of course there would have been genuine genuine concern yeah, big trouble um, because you, you know Norwich are still in play then uh, albeit very unlikely that, that, that they'll pull off the amount of results that they need to stay up um, and then you know Burnley leads and, and, and Everton are much closer of course but for me, I'm looking at it the other way now. I'm looking up rather than down, and I'm thinking Villa perhaps could even get away with winning just two games and finishing in the top half of the table. I think they're what three points behind Newcastle with two games in hand. They're on the same points as Southampton, Brentford, um, and they've got two games more to play. They've still got to play Crystal Palace, who are above them. Um, I think there are four or five teams now in those positions who are fighting for ninth or 10th place. For Villa, it's massive because they haven't finished in the top half for 11 seasons. It will mean if Villa do finish ninth or 10th, regardless of how many points they've picked up, um, because let's be honest, that the middle of the Premier League is much more crowded this season. Um, but if they finish ninth or 10th, then it will be positive, positive. It will be a good season. It will be further improvement on last year. Um, it will be something to build on for next year. Um <laughs> and it's just mad, really, isn't it? Because I think we've had more negative podcasts than positive ones this season. Yet Villa could still finish in the top half of the table, which would be That's seen the as the life of doing a Villa podcast. You know, and it's oh, I don't know, but look, I, I mean, I, I I expect Villa to go and win two or three games. I can't see them getting anything against Liverpool or Man City just purely because the two teams are you know unbelievable at the moment, but. I could I could see them beating Palace and, and maybe at least one of the Burnley games. I think I read a couple of days ago that actually if the Premier League had started when Steven Gerrard took over. Villa would actually be ninth. Yeah, so I mean, and so it's not, it's not as bad as it as it's felt at times, perhaps. Villa would be on thirty points, I think, from twenty two games, and that would put them just ten points behind Chelsea from twenty two games. So that's a bit of a difference. Whereas now, if you look at it. From 34 games, Villa are 26 points behind Chelsea. And there's a big difference there. So the, the results under Gerrard aren't as bad as people think. You know, they are actually because a little been bit so many better. Streaks. They are a little bit better streaks, than, isn't it? Than, 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 than what league, Villa's lead position is showing now. So look, there's, there's something to build on, I think, there. I think the last two games have been positive. Um, you know, clean sheets are important, aren't they? Hopefully there'll be a few more wins to see the season end well for Aston Villa Football Club. And don't forget, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just a pound a month for the first six months. Just head to theathletic.com slash villapod. You'll get full access to all our great writing and ad-free versions of all The Athletic's podcasts, including this one. That's theathletic.com slash villapod. Sign up now.
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Aston Villa women, of course, were in action on Sunday. Tough, tough day at the office, taking on an absolutely firing Arsenal. Villa were very, very depleted and given a football lesson, to be honest. I mean, they even had the luxury of bringing on Steiner Blackstenius off the bench. Holly, I was there. You know, it's weird because I I did actually enjoy the games. Villa had a lot of young players playing. It would have been a great experience for them. But nobody likes losing 7-0. No, and kind of for the the fans who aren't really across the women's game, you you might see that and think, oh God, that must mean our women's team is awful. And that is definitely not the case. Different Um, stratospheres. Yeah, as the WSL continues to grow, Arsenal, Chelsea, City, you know, now Manchester United, they are the four teams that are kind of dominating the women's game. And this season is is the closest the league has ever been. But like you mentioned, unfortunately for Aston Villa, they they travelled to London with with a few injuries and therefore a lot of younger players played against Arsenal and that they're one of the best teams in the world you know that they're rightly so competing in the Champions League so you kind of had that feeling that it probably the result wouldn't go the way of Aston Villa and I think there are a few positives to take away Villa had moments where they were moving the ball quite well um, but ultimately you know no shots on target is is probably a little bit disappointing so it's one of those games where you just have to kind of get over and then look ahead to, to this weekend when they take on Birmingham City because they're literally going from one end of the table to the other. So um, hopefully they can end the season on a high. Earlier on in the week, I got to go to Bodymore Heath and sit down with Aston Villa women's manager Carla Ward. We talked about the Arsenal game, of course, but also looked at the season in general and how she thinks it's gone and also looked ahead to next season and what Villa's plans might be for the summer. Here's the interview. <laughs> Carla, thanks ever so much for talking to the 1874 podcast for The Athletic today. Obviously a tough one to take at the weekend, which we will come on to later on in the podcast. But your first season as Aston Villa Women's Manager is coming to a close. How would you reflect on that first campaign? It's been an interesting one, for sure. One I've thoroughly enjoyed. I've loved every minute. Um, You know, it's allowed me to to learn, to grow, um, to grow the football club, to progress the football club. Um, you know, it's been highs and lows, but ultimately um, a season that has been, you know, um, priceless for so many reasons. But I've loved it. I must admit, I've loved it. The football club's unbelievable. I got a sense of that when I met Christian um, before I came in. And actually everything he said to me that day is wrong true. Um, and, you know, it's been an unbelievable place to work, if I'm being honest. Is there one moment you could pick out from the season that you would say, that was the moment, that, that was the high point of the season? If I'm being honest, I'd probably say Tottenham away a few weeks ago. Yeah. And I'll tell you for why. I think at Christmas we adapted a lot of things. We changed. I went away, I'll be really honest. And I went away at Christmas and there was a bit of a really down... There was 
a low point before Christmas and I'm sat there thinking where we where have we gone wrong where where do we need to what do we need to do and I thought to myself okay are we reflective right now of me personality the way I want to play um and I felt like part of it the answer was no so I um I went back watched all the games where we've we been successful and actually where we've been successful is is um, probably a reflection of my personality front-footed high energy um, wanted to get in their faces, wanted to play attractive style of football. I think we shied away from that before Christmas. So um, I came in at Christmas and, and I said, look, you know, this is what we're going to do from this moment moving forward to the players, to the staff. I need everyone, hands to the pump. This is what we're going to do. Set out um, a revised sort of look at, fresh fresh look at things. And uh, I would say since Christmas, we've been brilliant. We really have. And from that first game against City after Christmas, all right, we lost 3-1, but we were in the game. We, we gave them a game and it was a you know, really good good fixture. Then obviously we ran Chelsea close uh, twice. Um, so we started to pick up. We picked up some great wins away from home at Leicester, obviously. Um, Blues, everyone loves that. So, And then we went... Obviously, we had Everton, uh, two games on the bounce, one that, well, both games we dominated, one we were unlucky um, not to win the game, but obviously then won the other game comfortably. And you could just see the uh, like the, the, the amount of progress that was being made week in, week out. And then we felt like that we probably deserved more against Chelsea, last, last minute, equal, uh, last minute winner for them. Had Reading 1-1, we're battling our brains, how we've not won the game. And, and the group stuck together everyone stuck together there was a belief and we felt like it was coming and then to go away to Tottenham the game was horrible horrible ugly poor awful pitch had to win in a different way had to find a way and we found a different way and it was and uh, I would say to then score in the 88th minute to win the game against a team that are going for Champions League after the sort of the consistent progress we had to go and win it ugly and we did so um, yeah I was delighted I really was and and I think that for me was a really important moment because it showed actually a lot of our progress and where we were at and where we wanted to be and what we wanted to compete with um, and then obviously it allowed us to go on and get a point against Manchester United so I would say that because I think it was a real yeah. positive moment from our from the work that had been done. Because I'm taking in what you just said to me there and I'm almost looking back now I'm not sure entirely what I mean by this but the start was it almost like too good a start yeah if that makes sense I think it was a um it was funny because we won those we got nine points in uh, sorry seven points in the first three games we, yeah. we were um, but we didn't play particularly well um but you take it at this level you take it so yeah we did get off to a good start um but probably wasn't reflective of the performance and then we had a, a dip before Christmas which I was, yeah, I had to really reflect on and sort of have a look. Am I getting this right? Am I getting the team right? Am I getting the system right? You know, what can we possibly change? And, and yeah, I spent literally a couple of weeks. Um, well, no, actually, it was about the time we had off. It was about a week delving into every aspect of our game in the, in the opening sort of seven or eight games and having a look at where we were really good, where we were poor. And it was, it was clear. It hit me in the face. One night, I rang the general manager at 11 o'clock at night. And uh, we talk a lot on the phone anyway. And I said, Lee, listen. And I spoke for about 10 minutes. And he said to me at the end, bloody hell. He said, and his exact words were, um, this Carl Award's taken us forward. <laughs> and he started laughing. And he said, uh, I just I just spotted 
um, I, I, I identified something that probably I needed to take a step back and have a look at. And um, yeah, that was really, really important that then we kicked on. I'll tell you off record what that was. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think it was really, it was a really important moment to identify. But the biggest thing, if I, if I round it off openly, was I didn't believe the style of football reflected me as a person or my personality. And I think it was really important that I got the team playing at Carla Wardway. Why was that? Well, why do you think it wasn't reflecting you? Um, On the record, obviously. Yeah, no, no, it's fair. Um, we probably had too many opinions um, on how things should be done. Is that from the outside? No, no. Yeah, no, I think just um, we've got a strong-minded staff group. But I think, you know, there's only one neck on the block and that's going to be mine. And yeah, I had to make sure that what we were doing was a reflection of me. And that's what we've done. And I think since we've done that, I think we've been in a far better place. I've obviously heard you talk in, in previous jobs that you've had. I've heard you talk all season as, as the Villa manager. I feel like you're not fiercely ambitious, fiercely mm. driven. Where we are in the league at the moment, is that what, what you expected at the start of the season? Are we about where you would expect? Would you have expected to be a bit higher? Obviously, you probably wanted to be a bit higher, but are we yeah. about where you would have expected? Do you know what? Where we would have expected at the start of the season, yes. Yeah. Um, but having... Um, having seen the season play out, I feel like we could have been higher. I think we've um, there's been games I can't I can't tell you how we've not won the game. I really can't. Everybody knows we've um, we've had a problem in front of goal this year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think um, yes, of course, I always want to be higher. Um, we always want to win games. I do believe if we had an out and out goal scorer, might that have looked different? Yes. Um, obviously, em- Emily had. We've got Emily and Shania that have done brilliantly when they've been in, but we've had a lot of the season without them for various different reasons. and So that's been tough. And um, But yeah, I do think that that's probably an area that's let us down. You know, since Christmas, we've dominated most of the games. But um, do you know what? We've improved. We've massively progressed. We've, um, on and off the pitch, we've progressed. And I think that's important. What we are now have to do is make sure next season we go again. And we've, for me, it's it's got to be top eight. Yeah, because I, I watched a lot of Villa women last season and there's there's a tangible difference this season. And I think also having a, a more stable season this season, last season was all over the place, obviously battling to stay up on, on the last day. It's a, it's a big thing to have actually had a stable season, isn't it? Yeah, yeah and I, I think that was important initially coming in and identifying and putting your own stamp on things early doors. I think anyone that knows me, I'll put my arm around you, but I, that's knowing you know what I expect and... Um, I can probably rip your head off one minute and put my arm around you the next. But no, I think it's important that we set a standard of what we expect from people. And um, and I think I must admit, Lee, as general manager coming in, he, he's offered a lot of stability in, um, as well for me, which is massively important. Um, so yeah, I think um, structurally it's been a lot better, um, but we have to now use that to now kick on and go again. Yeah, and what, what about the summer? You've, you've touched on the problem scoring goals. I, I'm presuming recruitment and stuff's already in place. Is even that just being more stable now, knowing what league you're going to be in probably for the last few weeks, the few months, that, that's helpful, isn't it, when you're looking to recruit? Yeah, listen, uh, I mean, the papers aren't signed, but everything's in, agreed and in place for, for a number of players already. Um, obviously, yes, there is centre-forwards going to be coming through the door, of course, we need them. Um, but look, now we're looking to kick on. We're looking at bringing in quality quality players again. We have to kick on and 
What this football club gives you and allows you is, as you've walked through the building today, you know, this is the women's section. Yeah, it's, it's changed. This place has changed so much over the last few years. It was yeah. good anyway, but now, now you look at the facilities, it's mad. Yeah, so you don't need um, you don't need to be competing with the top three in um, other areas. What you can be competing with the top three is in facilities like this and an ability to allow players to walk through the door knowing that they're an elite athlete. Aston Villa Football Club, Christian Paul... They they give a platform for us to be able to work and achieve what we want to achieve, and I think that's massively important. Yeah, like I say, I haven't been here for a couple of years because because of, of COVID and whatever. I mean, I came through the wrong entrance when I came through the door. That that, <laughs> that shows how many yeah. changes there've been. It's just massive now, isn't it? And yeah. the, the facilities here, not that there's no excuses, but they're going to enable Villa women to, to kick on. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and I think it's an unbelievable facility. You have a look out there, you know. Even today, the men's first team are on one pitch, the women are on another, the twenty-threes uh, or the eighteens are on the other, and um, albeit they were over for for an open session, but that's allowed to happen. Why? Because it's a they're very much one club ethos. And yeah. I actually saw one of your tweets the other day, uh, which was quite funny. Yeah, the one yesterday. And yeah, yeah. So I think if you support the badge, you support everyone from exactly. you know. Disability to foundation to first team, men's, women's, boys, girls. Uh, yeah, I'm a big believer um, in what you said yesterday. So, no, I think that this football club is very inclusive and I think that's been um, massively um, a positive part for the women. Is that is that normal, like in previous jobs that you've had? Is, is this like a different a different level now, what, what you're dealing with day in, day out? Yeah, completely different level. And I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but when I sat down and spoke to Christian, um, there was an ambition for the women's team and there was a real care for the to the women's team and and um obviously I was at Blues last year and you know I'll never talk, talk ill of anyone because I think that everybody has their own um obstacles and and problems but ultimately I've come from I've been at obviously two clubs now this is my third club and this is by far the most inclusive club I've ever been yeah. at. There's a sense of, you know, when we picked up the point against Manchester United, Christian will be the first and Paul and Christian will be the first to let us know, well done. And I think it's important. They they watch our games, hopefully didn't watch the weekend, but <laughs> now they watch our games. Um, they offer us advice when we need to. They'll obviously be quick to talk to us when we need to. So I think that's really important. There's a lot of transparency. So as a football club, I can honestly say it's it's the best football club I've ever worked for. Just saying so you know, that as well, I don't, you can talk in the blues. That doesn't, that, that doesn't, that doesn't bother me one bit at all. No, I, I respect that you, that you want to stay classy. The, I said about the jump from like having a season like last season where you're battling and then having a more stable one this season. I guess that next jump now, that's a, that's a bigger jump. I think if you look outside the top four, top five, you've got sort of six through till ten. And... We're a cluster um, that all will be fighting for that top six spot. Is it achievable? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, like I alluded to, um, when you can sort of invite players into this environment, it helps. I think that I want to go for top six naturally next season. But listen, it's it's a it's a difficult league. It's a league that is um, getting more and more competitive. Liverpool coming up. We know that they're well yeah. backed. We know that they're going to be really well backed. So, um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tough. But what we've what we've done this year is um, start to develop really good foundations. We've got an unbelievable academy over there that's you know producing quality. As you've seen, a lot of the youngsters have been playing first team football. That's massive. Along with the experience, we've got a real good balance now, and I think it's important. 
Um, if we can get the recruitment right in the summer and add to that, um, I think we'll put ourselves in a good position to kick on and, and try and go for that sort of sixth, seventh. Yeah, talking about the step up, you've touched on it. I was there on, on Sunday as well, watching the game. Yeah. I mean, you have to hold your hands up and just say, Arsenal are a different level, aren't they? They're, they're a different class. I'm sure there's things that you'd like to have seen done differently, things that can be worked on, but teams like Arsenal, they're the... They're the benchmark. They're relentless. They're relentless, and look, they've got they're, they're taking off world class internationals and putting world class internationals on. And yeah, the bench was head. a joke. Yeah, ridiculous. But you know what? It's great. It's great for the women's game. It'll only drive and push other teams in and around. And yeah, it was a horrible day. You know, my biggest defeat ever as a manager, and um, that hurt. I'm not going to lie, really hurt. But um, like I said to the group. It doesn't define us. We've got a really tight-knit group. We're making good progress. We have to look at it as a blip in the road. But the only way that we look at that as a blip in the road is if we get back to work, get on the training pitch, work hard, um, and be ready to turn it around come Sunday when we play play Blues. So if we can do that, then we'll put it down to a blip in the road. Yeah, I mean, you were decimated by injuries, especially in mid midfield as well. So many players missing. Yeah, listen, I was saying after, if you take sort of Hannah, Patsy, Jill, Remy, Chloe, Roosh, you take those players out that have consistently played and performed all season, that's not one or two, that's seven players. Yeah. That's a lot of players and experienced players and they're all internationals. Um, so it's always going to hurt. But what I would say is what an unbelievable opportunity for, for the youngsters because despite that being hurtful, and it will be, if you flip it, actually what that's done is has probably shown um, some of the younger ones or fringe players sort of the benchmark and the level of what this division is about. So, um, yeah, if we can, I can probably try and spin it now. I haven't been able to for a few days. But, um, yeah, I no. gave it a few days before yeah, I came down. Yeah. So, no, I think if you look at the positive, you know, in three or four years' time when we've got some of those young academy players that played at the weekend that are playing consistently for Aston Villa, they'll look at back, they'll look back at that and they'll remember that day. Hopefully, they will never allow. You know, we we will never allow that to happen again. Yeah, because I was watching Liv obviously in the in in the midfield. Such a young player coming up against those those top class players. Never never giving in though. Even at, you know, it was clear it was going to be a difficult day from pretty early doors. Really, wasn't it? But the players never gave in, especially those young players. And you know, they did try and mix it, and that, that impressed me. Yeah, and do you know what? They're not shy of putting themselves about and I no, like no, that. No. They, they wear their heart in the sleeves. You know, the young Villa fans, they you know, they'll they'll do or die by the badge. So um no, nah, listen, they've got big, big futures ahead of them. And um, like I said, as much as it was difficult for them Sunday, they'll look at that. Um and I think when they look back on that in a few years' time they'll they'll say, Do you know what? I learned a lot that day because they're up in the middle against Kim Little for me, the best midfielder, one of the best midfielders in the women's game. Um, Leah Walty Vivian Miedema who was on fire at the weekend she played in midfield and you know for a 17 year old and 18 year old to come up against them um, great for them uh, a lot of learnings um, but yeah they've got to use that now to make sure we keep on Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. 
Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. No better stage. Want to end the season well and bounce back from that seven 0 defeat. But I know you've already played at Villa Park this season, but this one feels a bit more special, doesn't it? Ending the season at Villa Park. Definitely. Look, there's a load of load of elements this week, and why it was probably the perfect week to to come into after the Arsenal game. One, we're it's the last game of the season. Two, it's at Villa Park. Three, Anita Asante is obviously yeah. retiring. Now I said to the dressing room this morning. She's given us everything this year. She's given the group everything. She's helped us. She's delivered. We probably didn't do her justice on Sunday against a former club, but let it be an element come Sunday that we want to make sure that we can send Anita Asante off to retirement on the back of um, three points and a performance and one, and one she can remember for the right reasons because... She's done unbelievable for the game, for the women's game, for this group of players, this football club. Um, so I used I used that with the players this morning because I think it's important and she's yeah. got a lot of respect off a lot of the group. So um, there's a lot of elements that are going into this weekend's game, but that is certainly one of them. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Anita as well, because someone who's obviously had a tremendous career, done everything, really. Also someone that could probably go on and pretty much do what she wants after after football now. She could yeah. probably go into punditry, management, coaching. Like, the, the world's a roster now, isn't it? 100%. And do you know what? She has got those strings to her bow. She really has. She can she can do whatever she wants to do now. What Neitz has got is an unbelievable aura and hum- humility around her. She can walk into a room and people stop and listen. And I think when you've got that, she could go into any environment at any level and do whatever job she wanted to in the game. Why? Because for me, she's one of the most decorated English players to ever have graced our game. And I think what she does next, hopefully we can keep her. But um, what she does next, um, whoever manages to get her services will will massively benefit from her for sure. Is that something you're looking to do, get Anita on board for next season? Yeah, we would love to get her on board. I mean, look, I've learned a lot from her this season. I'm one of those people where I will ask questions. If I don't know the answer, I'll ask questions. Neitz has got more experience than I ever, I've ever had managed to have, and even like Jill Scott, Causey, you've got all the experienced players. I'll knock on their doors every day, and I certainly do that with Neitz, and she's taught me a lot. Would I like to keep her around? A hundred percent. You know, I think she'd be great in various roles, but you know, it's something that's still yet to be discussed. But anybody would want Anita Asante in their in their building. I watched the the Blues game when I, when I got home and I got back after after our game and. They're putting a resilient display against a very, very strong Chelsea side. At the time of recording, we, we don't know what's happening. They could already be down by the time they, they come to Villa Park. But it just shows you, even if they are, you know, it's a local derby, they'll be playing for pride. It'll be a tough game. It'll be tough no matter what. Like I've said to the players, brains have got switched on straight away. They're, this, is, this isn't a team that are going to go down without a fight. This is a team they have got resilient individuals. They've got individuals that are on through brick walls for each other. Um, you know, if they go to Man City tomorrow night and get three points, um, then quite honestly, they come to us. It's you know, it's do or die. But if they, uh, on the flip side, if they don't get the points and they're already down and they come to us, they're going to want to go out of a bang. They want to going to want to go down 
knowing that they've they've won at Villa Park on the, the last day of the season. I've been there. I know it. You know, there's a mentality there between the two clubs. I've seen it from both sides. So this is not just another game of football. This is massive. This yeah. is massive. And one that I will continue to drill to the players this week. For me, it's a must-win game. For us, for the fans, for the football club, for the city, this is not just a game of football now. This is a, a game where, at all costs, we have to go and try and win the game. Because yeah, I think about, obviously, ended last season on a, on a relative high by staying up and that kind of carried on into the into the next season, the start of the next season. I look at the men's team as as well the season they stayed up and then they started the next season with a bang really, really well. You know, how you end the season, it can be crucial to the start of the next season. Yeah, yeah. Um I mean it's gonna be for both sides I think it'll be really interesting. But look, one thing you do know is I think it'll be a wholehearted affair. I think whatever team both teams can put out. I mean, obviously, yes, we've been, they've had two tough games coming into it. Um, what I pretty much can guarantee is it's going to be a proper West Midlands derby. Yeah, because it was feisty last season, if I remember. I remember watching it. I don't think fans could come in, could they? I remember watching it on on, on TV, that game. Obviously, you were victorious that day in, in the opposite dugout. At least you know what it's like to win a derby at Villa Park, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. I said, uh, you know, I've not lost a, a West Midlands derby, so I want to make sure that continues. But um, no, I think it's important. I think someone said to me the other day that Villa women have never scored at Villa Park. And uh, so I said to the staff, that's got to change. You know? Oh yeah, they haven't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we've got to make sure we get out of the blocks, get in the faces early, get on the front foot, dictate the game. I think, you know, it's on, it's our patch, it's our ground. And um yeah, we've got to, we've got to change that and make sure that not only do we score score goals, we've got to go and win the game. It's just an incredible place to play. We we get to train there in, in the in the week leading up. No, we're uh, we're training on the show pitch out here actually okay. towards the end of the week. But I love Villa Park. I'll be honest. Um, you know, I'm I went there as a kid um, a, a few times when I lived down in Torquay, and I loved it. It's just a proper English football ground. You know, none of this. Um, jazz that you see nowadays it's wholehearted it's a, it's a proper football stadium and I love it I love that yeah. um, as a football fan I love it um, so yeah for the players to play there to walk out hopefully in front of what six seven thousand people will be massive one thing I noticed at the end of the game was even though they'd lost 7-0 that the, the fans that, that probably go every week and the players it's very like you say it's, it's very much one club isn't it yeah yeah and I think listen on the fans they've been sensational this year like I remember Brighton away and and it was nil-nil, obviously 60 minutes. Um, you heard them throughout, literally throughout. I think the two games where I've remembered them more than ever is Brighton away when we won 1-0, Leicester away, scored in the 94th minute, Leisha Lehman. Um, you heard them louder than probably the 2,000 Brighton fans or the 2,500 Leicester fans. It was massive. And they've been sensational this year. And, you know, they're a small group, the supporters club, yeah. but they've been brilliant. And... Um, yeah, obviously that that um, whether we'll hear them in well on the on, on the weekend when there's six seven thousand in there, but now they've been brilliant and um, yeah, we can only thank them for that. You can always hear that little lad Archer. Yeah, oh, yes. even at seven nil, yeah, I admired <laughs> his enthusiasm. He was he was still shouting at seven nil. He's absolutely golden, bless him. He's a die-hard Villa fan, isn't he? he? Really goes is. to all the men's game, goes to all the women's games. He's um. He's a proper diehard, but um, yeah, yeah, you'll uh, you'll certainly hear him if you hear no one else. How much difference does it does it make playing at, at Villa Park compared? No, no disrespect to the to the Warsaw Ground, but obviously it's you know, it's a massive thing playing at Villa Park. You've played there once already against Arsenal. How much of a difference is it play, playing in front of a, a bigger crowd at a bigger stadium? Huge. I think it's a cup final feel, isn't it? It's a it's an occasion type feel, not another game, and I think that's important for this game as well. 
Um, you know, I think um, unbelievable surface, let's be honest. So it will certainly suit the way we want to play, suit our style of football. So, um, yeah, it's one that we'll enjoy, one that we'll, we'll wake up, we'll do everything right, we'll make sure that we're ready and hopefully we get three points come two o'clock. Well, fingers crossed that, that you do. I'll be there. I'm looking forward to it. I, you know, I, I actually enjoyed Sunday as well, even though we lost 7-0. Oh, I, God, I, I enjoyed I didn't. it. it was a, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a good experience. I, I, I enjoyed it. Like I said, the atmosphere of the players and the fans being close, it was good. But yeah, Villa Park will be special on Sunday. So thanks ever so much for talking to us. You're Carl. welcome. Thanks, Tom. Well, take away that result at the weekend, but Carla Ward is a very impressive character, very easy to talk to, very open and honest as well. Yeah, you can tell how switched on she is, even though she's not had um, too much experience in the WSL as of late. Um, I think she'll turn out to be one of the best coaches, and I'm very jealous that you got to go and chat to her at Bodymore Heath because I think she's just such an amazing coach, and that interview just shows just a glimpse of of how much she how much work she's putting in to Aston Villa women. Um, I'm very very excited to see what the kind of the season is going to look like next season because of obviously she you know she's mentioned that Villa will be looking to bring players in and and that's kind of what what they need at the moment it's not really any coaching that's lacking it's it's having the right players and having the right names in that starting 11 and I think that's going to be the thing that that boosts them next season as they look to progress towards the top half of the table so yeah if if people haven't had the chance to go and watch Carla Ward oversee a Villa women's game they need to go this weekend because she is so tactically insightful and just so knowledgeable so it's a pleasure to watch her and the team as much as possible really as she said in the in the interview really it's very much a one club mentality at Aston Villa now and that's driven from the top with Christian Perslow and you know you could see her face light up when she's talking about the facilities and coming to work every day and and the, the basis she has to work at, at Villa so you know it's, it's an impressive setup as well you know it's been a couple of years since I've been to Bodymore Heath because of Covid and they've got this whole separate building now for, for the women and the facilities are you know a top a top men's club would be happy with the facilities that, that the women have got at Aston Villa so it's great to say it's really refreshing as well and it is great to say that they've got that one club ethos. Bodymore Heath's an impressive place as well now, isn't it? I mean, yeah. the, the facilities there are, it's changed are unbelievable. So much. I mean, I remember even you know five, ten years ago when when Villa players come and, and signed at, at Bodymore Heath, that the first thing they used to say was the the facilities here are amazing. But what they would see now, I mean, it is literally state of the art, you know, real top range stuff, um, and that can only bode well for the future for the whole club, I think. Yeah, and a huge game at Villa Park on Sunday. Local derby, of course, Aston Villa against Birmingham City. At the time of recording, we don't know what's happened with the Birmingham City and Manchester City women's game. Birmingham very well could be down by the time they visit Villa Park on Sunday. But it's a midday kickoff. Tickets are nice and cheap. They're available on the Aston Villa website. We're going to go, aren't we, Holler? We're going to go down there and, and have a watch. And yeah, Anita Asante's last ever game, absolute legend of the game. It's great to see that she'll be playing at Villa Park in her last ever game as well. So it should just be a really nice occasion and a really good day and you know we don't get to see the men's team play against Birmingham and I'm not sure we we ever will in, in league form for, for a long long time so it's a chance to sample a local derby yeah definitely and, and the women's attendances across the the league have been unbelievable this season some some have broken club records I think already so I think it'd be great if Villa can try and do the same for themselves on the last day of the season against Birmingham City obviously the main rivals for us so I'm just, like you said, we'll be there and I'm very, very excited to go back to Villa Park. It's been my first time back in, I think, like three or four years. So um, I'm well up for it. Get the beers out. <laughs> no beers for Greg. Greg. Greg's on holiday. I'm sure he'll be having, I know you won't be having the beers probably, Greg, but yeah, Greg's on holiday at the weekend. 
I said about the tickets being available on the website, under 18s are actually £1 when accompanied by an adult, so you can't argue with those prices. So yeah, if you are free on Sunday and you want to take in some football at Villa Park, please, please get down there and support Aston Villa women. That just about does us for this week. Don't forget, it's just a pound a month for your first six months of The Athletic when you sign up at theathletic.com slash villapod. Thanks ever so much to Greg and Holly for joining me and thanks ever so much for listening. Have a good weekend. Hopefully two Villa victories this weekend and up the Villa. Athletic.